you know, I think many people would agree that the goal of life is to grow. Each one of us should become a better version of ourselves. But if you're going through your life in like one year and one year and the next year, you're just older, but you're the same and you haven't grown as a person, like, like what are you doing? And each one of us to challenge ourselves. I love that you have that app. I, I can tell your listeners that I, I'm really blown away that you have that, Eddie, and that you, and that you live with that perspective because that's, uh, that's really where wisdom comes from, man. I'm, I'm really inspired by that. I'm going to check that out, man. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And we are really excited to bring you episode number 97 today. We have a special guest. Saul Blinkoff is a Hollywood filmmaker who's worked for many high-profile clients, including the Walt Disney Studios, uh, Netflix, Amazon, and many more. He started his animation career, which is super fun and cool, um, working for Disney on Pocahontas. I love Pocahontas, Milan, Tarzan, and other things. He's currently a supervising producer at Dream works on the award-winning series Madagascar A Little Wild. He lives in Los Angeles with his wife and four children. Um, He's got so much great energy and motivation to share with us. He also has his own podcast, which is called Life of Awesome. And I learned about Saul from Clubhouse, Uh, In the clubhouse streets, we were in a podcast room together. I heard his voice, which was awesome and captivating. I looked up his podcast and then I was like, okay, this guy speaks our language. Plus he likes entertainment. My husband's a big movie buff. And so I'm going to reach out to Saul. So we had a great conversation from uh, on everything from like parenting to the pandemic to pivots to, you know, having and creating a life of awesome. And so I would like for you guys to welcome Saul Blinkoff to the Push Podcast. Woo! We don't have sound effects. We have to get laugh effects. <laughs> this is Saul's so got bad. them on his podcast. I, I want to be I friends to, with him. I feel so ashamed. He's I also a Saul. filmmaker. I listened to Saul's episode. I was like, "Oh, he's got like movie clips and sounds, and and he's gonna go to push podcast, and we're gonna go, yay!" (laughs) So, welcome, Saul. How are you today? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. Um, I'm doing awesome. Uh, So excited to be on your podcast and to connect with you guys. You know, it's one thing when you when when me uh, when I hear there's a podcast out there, but when I find the people behind it are so motivating and inspiring and, and and you guys are such a team you are and the messages that you share. So I'm just honored and uh, privileged to be able to spend some time with you guys and your awesome uh, listeners. So thanks for having me. Awesome. We're super glad that you're spending some time with us. And I think we're going to have a lot to 
unpack with you. And so let's just dive in. What the heck does it mean to live an awesome life? Where'd that come from? Are there key elements? And were you living a shitty life and then you wanted an awesome life? Let's unpack that. Yeah, sure. Um, You know, look, it's um, I think the older that I've gotten, I'd like to think that I have more perspective on what really matters in life. Mm. You You think about those moments in life when you're in your car and someone cuts you off. And you want to swear at them and you want, oh, I can't believe they did that or whatever. And usually our ego gets in the way. And, uh, you know, this last year during the pandemic, um, I lost a bunch of people very close to me. Mm. And I think that when we come close to death, those are the moments that make us feel most appreciative to be alive. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, one day the reality is, and this isn't dark, this is reality that all of us listening, we're going to be on our deathbed. We're going to die. And the lucky ones are the ones that know they're going to die. You know that you have 10 minutes left, five minutes. Well, imagine you're 120 years old. You're lying in a hospital bed. You're surrounded by your family, everyone you love, and you've got five minutes left. What's going to matter to you most? Are you going to remember the time that, oh, 20 years earlier, somebody cut me off? Are you going to remember that boss that you had that maybe made you feel embarrassed in front of some people? Like those things don't matter. What if we can take that perspective and actually live with it right now? That's where I try to go. That's what the pandemic did for me personally. And to answer Mm -hmm. your question, where life of awesome came from, you know, somebody comes up to you and they're like, how's it going? You'd be like, yeah, you know, things are good. Yeah, things are good. But what if they came up to you and they said, how is it going? And you go, how's it going? <laughs> it's going awesome. They'd be like, why? What happened? Mm-hmm. Did you win the lottery? Did, did, did you just uh, get a job promotion? You'd be like, no, it's just awesome to be alive. Why can't we each look through a lens of awesome every day? And you know what awesome means? It's not what am I achieving It's what am I grateful for and what am I working towards? If you're in a relationship, a marriage, dating, a work relationship, and it's difficult and it takes work and you're working at it, that is an awesome relationships. Awesome Mm -hmm. is not a finish line. Awesome is a perspective that I have clarity on what I'm working for every day. And I personally feel throughout my own journey, that each one of us has a choice. Awesome is a choice. Life isn't awesome because things happen to us. Life is awesome because of the way we look at life and the way we choose to uh, to navigate every day and every moment of our lives. Awesome. <laughs> wow. I love that. So let me clarify, because someone out there is in a really super toxic relationship that they're trying to work on. And they're like, well, even Saul told me that this could be awesome. (laughs) So what does that mean? Like what, you know what I mean? Like you're saying to embrace the idea that awesome means that you're working towards improvement. And some people that might be a shift for them. They're like, nah, this doesn't feel very awesome. It feels really hard and it's a struggle. Yeah. Well, look, there's definitely a difference. I mean, you use the word toxic. There's certain relationships in our lives that I believe we should not be working at. We should be getting out of. Uh, but it's very difficult to know for some people where that line is. You know, um, you know. I remember years ago watching Ben Affleck win an Oscar. You know, you guys know I work in Hollywood, so I love movies. I know Eddie, you love movies too. And yeah, yeah. If you guys remember the movie Goodwill Hunting, okay. 
Love that movie. <laughs> Great movie, right? Written by, at the time, two very young novice screenwriters, Ben Affleck and, Mar- and, and Matt Damon. And for these guys to write a movie and make a movie, that's, that's a hard miracle right there. But what happened is they got nominated for the Oscar for Best Screenplay. Now, to be nominated is an insane, like one in a million. Not only do they get nominated, they win. And Ben Affleck and Matt Damon walk up on stage at the Oscars. And I'm just getting goosebumps even telling you guys this story. I remember watching it. They're like 20-something years old. They get up on stage. And you watch Ben Affleck and all the emotion comes out. And he's probably the way each one of us would be if we had the microphone to the world, right? He's like, I want to thank my mom and my this and that and my manager. And he's like freaking out. It's like Cuba Gooding Jr. did this also for Jerry Maguire. He like freaked out. It was awesome. But Ben Affleck was 20-something years old up on that stage. Amazing. You know what? If you'd asked Ben Affleck on the way up to that stage, did you think you were going to be here? He'd be like, no way. And if you asked him when he walked off the stage, do you think you'll ever be back on this stage? He probably would have said, no way. And yet, 15, 20 years later, he returns to the stage to win Best Director Oscar for the movie Argo. And when he comes up on the stage, he's a very different Ben Affleck. Now he's cool. Now he's confident. He's got a lot of experience behind him. And he's a very different Ben Affleck than he was earlier. He's like, you know, I want to thank my manager. I want to thank this person, that person. All of a sudden, he looks in the audience and sees his then wife, Jennifer Gardner. And the second he sees her, his emotions come out again. Light switch goes off. And the same energy that he had as a young guy came out. He's like, and I want to thank my wife. And the next thing he says is, because our relationship takes work, but it's the best kind of work. Mm. Now, I promise you, he did not plan on saying that. He didn't have it written down. It looked like it was spontaneous. You know, sometimes we see something and it just sparks us. We want to, we feel it. Well, he said it. He sees his wife and he says that. And let me tell you guys, the next day, Hollywood condemned him. There were articles written about him. I can't believe Ben Affleck is like revealing his dirty laundry to the world. Oh, he's telling everyone that his relationship takes work. His marriage must be bad, whatever. I still remember my wife and I looking at each other going, Ben Affleck just told the entire world the secret to making relationships work. You know what it is? Mm -hmm. It takes investment. It takes work, but it's the best kind of work. You see, there are relationships that matter to us. And the difference between a relationship that is good, that takes work, and a relationship that's toxic, that we should get out of is, what are the goals of the relationship? It's all about the goals. It's all about clarity. I say quite often when I travel, I say, you know, the most valuable thing that we will ever have in our lives is really clarity. It's even more important than health. You could be healthy and walk through the world aimlessly, lifeless, not excited to be alive. Or you could live with clear clarity, exactly what you're living for, to wake up every day and know, this is what I'm living for. That's so valuable. So in relationships, it's a really important tool, I think, for people when you're dating, when you're married. Every day, my wife and I have what we call whisper time. We're raising four kids and a dog, okay? 
and you guys know, you guys have three kids, right? Three, t- three girls, right? So we're raising kids and we are busy. We are like two passing ships in the night. Barely do my wife and I ever get five minutes to just talk. But we try to get what we call whisper time. Whisper time is at the end of the day, we try to get into bed at the same time. Sometimes she's on the phone in the other room and I'm, I'm like, honey, I'm going to bed. And she's like, okay, I'll see you there. I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't get married to go to bed alone. Come on, get that phone away. Let's go unwind. You know? So I go into bed and we, and we have like a five minute window when we're lucky of what we call whisper time. We just catch up and we talk. And what do we talk about? Not just, oh, the things you got to do tomorrow. Not just, the, oh, we got to go shop for this and the kids. No, we talk about like, what's, where are we at? To check in, where are we at on our lives? And if two people have the same goals in a relationship, that's the foundation that's necessary to put the work in to make them work. And ultimately, that goal has to be, in my humble opinion, to grow. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know what I what really resonated with me with what you said was I'm I'm fascinated with death right I have a, a app that reminds me five times a day that I'm going to die like it's just he's not and, joking and I'm not joking it's called We Croak <laughs> so that's the name of the app um, but it sounds like an app for frogs no yeah <laughs> but it, what's what's really interesting is like like to me there's a lot of things that are are connected, right? You, you talked about like death brings a, in the thought of it and that idea of five minutes left brings a lot of clarity of what's important, what matters most. But also what I really love what you said is the relationship piece, because when you were saying that about um, relationships take work and toxic relations are something we need to move away from. I, I hope people listening to this actually capture that it may be a relationship with life as well, right? It's not maybe a relationship with a partner, but if your relationship with life is toxic, there's something you must move away from, right? Because <laughs> either your, your, your way of thinking, your mindset, uh, maybe it is a circle of friends, but I think that that to me is huge. And I think that when you have really great clarity, um, you live a more fulfilling life because you actually can see what matters. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I agree. And, you know, Steve Jobs um, had a, a beautiful uh, address he gave. I think it was Stanford University. He got up there. Your listeners should go check it out on YouTube. And he had a quote. He said, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Yeah, it's like we think that we have our whole lives ahead of us. Time is such a is such a valuable thing. It's the most valuable thing that we have. And when we make the mistake of thinking I have tomorrow to apologize tomorrow to live my life tomorrow, to do all this, we don't know we're going to get tomorrow. Like, how do we really approach every day? By the way, you know, I think many people would agree that the goal of life is to grow. Each one of us should become a better version of ourselves. But if you're going through your life and like one year and one year and the next year, you're just older, but you're the same and you haven't grown as a person, like, like what are you doing? And each one of us is to challenge ourselves. I love that you have that app. And while many, many people laugh at it, and it is funny that the name of the app that we croak is really funny. I, I can tell your listeners that I, I'm really blown away that you have that, Eddie, and that you, and that you live with that perspective. Because that's uh, that's really where wisdom comes from, man. I'm I'm really inspired by that. I'm going to check that out, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not joking. Five yeah, times a, a day. Ta- I have a tattoo that reminds me of I'm going to die as well. So I'm yeah. I, I'm I am with you. We're in the same boat when it comes to death. I'm like, yeah, I got to think about it all the time. And part of it too is for me, I'm I'm a naturally innately 
uh, optimistic person, right? And so optimism as an overstrength means can sometimes mean, oh, I got plenty of time. Oh, I, yeah, that's going to work out, right? And you, you kind of have an understanding or you think that you have an understanding that all things are just going to play themselves out for the good because you're optimistic about it. And so what I had to do was how do I... I can't change that because that's natural. How do I make sure I, I, I stabilize it from a, from a certain standpoint? And that was thinking about death. Like, you don't, you don't have time. You have to make a decision. You have to take action. You have to do those things. Or your time is going to be up and you're going to be sitting around with tons of regret. Um, and, you know, and the last thing I want to be thinking about is, is all the things I left behind or I didn't do. So I, I'm with you. I, I, you know, Eddie, but, can I throw you one more quote based on yeah. what you were saying? There's, there's um, you know, everybody knows Tony Robbins, big motivational speaker, one of the most successful powerhouses in that space. But Tony Robbins had in his life a Tony Robbins. Like who was the Tony Robbins for Tony Robbins was Jim Rohn, one of these motivational speakers from years ago. And Jim Rohn has this incredible quote. Check this out. You just talked about regret, Eddie. So listen to this. Jim Rohn said that every person in the world has a choice which pain we're going to choose. There's going to be two pains we get to choose. You can't avoid pain, but you do get to choose which one do you want. Do you want to end up at the end of your life and have the pain of regret? right? The pain of, I know I could have been more. I know I could have been a better father, a better mother, a better parent. I know I could have worked on my marriage better. I could have been more responsible at work. I could have served humanity more. Do you want that pain or do you want the other pain? The pain of the discipline of doing the work to make my marriage better. There's a certain pain or struggle. You can't avoid it. We can't just love is you know, life is not Hakuna Matata. Look, I'm a Disney guy, right? <laughs> so life is not like Hakuna Matata, no worries, hanging out with Simba and Pumbaa and Timon on a hammock. <laughs> That's not life. If you actually look at that movie, Lion King, by the way, it's an incredible uh, metaphor for wisdom. You know, that movie became the biggest animated movie of all time before Frozen. Okay. <laughs> I always say to my wow. kids, BF, before Frozen. <laughs> but if you look at that movie, it's not about, you know, you know, Simba thinks in the beginning he wants to be king and he sings about it. I just can't wait to be king. He thinks being a king means you can do whatever you want. And Mufasa's like, Simba, there's more to being a king than getting your way all the time. And Simba's right. like, what? There's more? <laughs> being a king is I can do what I want. Finally, hopefully this doesn't spoil it for your audience. The movie came out 35 years ago. You know this by now. Mufasa dies. Okay. That's right. It's a Disney movie. There's always a dead parent in the beginning, right? <laughs> Finding Nemo, Bambi. This is what they yeah. do. Right. So Mufasa dies. Simba goes off into Hakuna Matata world. Nala shows up midway through the movie. She's all grown up now. And she's like, Simba, you got to come back with me. He's like, no, no, no. I'm staying here. She's like, no, no, you don't understand. You got to come back with me because Scar's taken over everything. And if you don't come back, everyone's going to die. And you are responsible. And then Simba says, Akuna Matata, I'm staying here. She's like, what do you mean you're staying? She's like, hey, hey, you're beginning to sound like my dad. She goes, at least one of us does. And you know what she does? She leaves. She leaves him. She sees his greatness, but he doesn't see it in himself. She Mm -hmm. even sings about it. Why won't he be the king? I know he is the king I see inside. She leaves him. He's left alone. Rafiki comes. He sees his reflection. Mufasa, remember who you are. And he comes back (laughs) and defeats Scar, and it becomes the biggest movie of all time in animation. Why? 
Because when he climbs Pride Rock, he realizes, you know what? Life is about taking responsibility for the world. To wake up every day and know that I'm not there to take, I'm there to give, to invest myself into serving humanity. And when we have that kind of clarity in life, then we will have a truly beautiful and meaningful life. Oh, I love that. That's great. I love that. Um, you, you know, one of your podcasts, I think it was um, time that time never wasted. I believe that's uh, I, I took a note on that. Um, you you do a, a fantastic job of taking the movie Groundhog Day, and you know you talk about. Um, you know, there's obviously there's clarity and then there's like routine, right? <laughs> there's like getting trapped in that. And, and, and I wanted the audience to kind of really get some, uh, some understanding of that. That was an amazing thing that I took from it. In one of the lines, I think you quoted, you, you talked about how living in the moment uh, and it was, the, was the antidote for breaking the loop of Groundhog Day. And so just to give context, Groundhog Day was an old movie by with Bill Murray, and I'm sure Saul can probably break it down a little bit better than me, but um, he was basically, he woke up every single day. And the whole adage is when the groundhog sees a shadow, uh, what is it, you get spring over again, or you get, no, you get eight more weeks of winter or something. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay, <laughs> something like that. But basically, Bill Murray woke up and he saw, basically had the same life over and over and over again. Uh, and he thought it was his hell until he lived in the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what, what kind of inspired you to, to pull from that movie? Yeah, I mean, I love that you highlighted that. Um, look, it's all of us go through that feeling. I think when we feel like we're just living the same day over and over again, right? The movie does it in a comedic way, you know, where he really is living the same day. And everyone hasn't seen the movie is listening. You got to check out this movie. Great family movie, by the way. I'd say it's great for kids like, you know, seven or eight years old and up. Great movie to watch with your family, with your kids. And, uh, and there's few of them that are as great as this, a lot of meaning. But basically, he's living hell. He doesn't want to go to this little town, Puxatani, and he's a weatherman, and he just he's like covering this story. It's like the worst job, and he just wants to go there. He hates the little town. He doesn't like the people and his producers, Andy McDowell and this other guy. And he's like, let me just do this story, this stupid story, and get out of here. So he does the story, gets on the van. They go back, but they're snowed in. He can't go back to the city. He's got to go back to this little town, sleep in this bed and breakfast another night with all the simpleton folks of this small town who were all so sweet to each other. If anyone's ever been to a small town, everyone knows everyone, right? This is the antithesis of who Bill Murray's character is. And sure enough, he wakes up again and again, and he has to relive the same day. And what's the day where he has to be the one to cover that story on that little groundhog coming out and it's, and it's hell for him. And you know what, just to, just to relate to it, don't we all know what that feels like? I mean, if you're a person listening and you have a nine to five job, you know, you wake up every morning at a certain time, you set that clock, you brush your teeth, you pick out your clothes, you do whatever your morning ritual is, you get your car, you do a zoom call, whatever it is. And then you go through the entire day, you get home, you're exhausted, you're tired, dinner, kids, whatever. And then you do it again the next day. And then you yeah. do it again the next day. And then we all feel that. We all have that routine. And what the movie does beautifully is it shows us, don't allow yourself to really believe that it's true, that just because you're doing the same things, that it is a repeat of the previous mm. day. 
because if we repeat the previous day, then it is like a day of hell. Like we're not going to get anything out of life or we're just repeating. If we just see it that way, the movie teaches us something beautifully. You see, every day, it's not just a day to repeat what I do. It's a day to realize how beautiful it is to be alive and that life is a gift. And what happens in the movie, I don't want to give too much away because I want people to see it, but <laughs> what the character starts to do is he puts himself out of himself and puts him into the relationships in this town and turns the day not about what I want, but what can I give? Mm. There's a beautiful quote from Winston Churchill. He said, we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. You know, most people will tell you every day they want to wake up and there's one goal. If you ask 99% of the world, they will tell you, you know what life's about? I want to be happy. Everyone will tell you every decision I make is because I want to be happy. But there's a more profound goal than happiness, or I'll say it this way. My humble opinion is there's a more profound version of happiness, and that's a life of meaning. You see, because things that make me happy may not be what's good for me. Think about that for a second. Just because something makes you happy, it doesn't mean it's good for you. It doesn't mean it's good for the world. But a life of meaning comes from how do I take responsibility for the world? Like I was mentioning before in Lion King. And in that movie, Groundhog Day, you know, he's really teaching us. The producer's teaching us. He's saying, you know, life is a gift. You can choose to use it selfishly for personal gain, or you can use it to help others. And the question we need to ask ourselves is how are we approaching our days, our hours, our minutes? How do we occupy our own free time? So it's really uh, just a great movie. Uh, and I love that kind of movie that's really fun and engaging, but also gives you a, a, a powerful message. Yeah, I love it. And honey, you got to slide in here because I can go back and forth with Saul I know. movies. I'm, and I'm basically, like, this is the Saul and Eddie show. No, I'm just I'm <laughs> kidding. No, <laughs> Eddie loves movies and I, I love that. And I, that's why I knew you would really yeah, love having yeah. him on. But let's slide into a show really quick. Um, because one of the things that I connected with Saul was we were talking about how at some point, you know, years ago, we were like, ah, you know, TV's kind of for losers. Like you watch too much TV, you can't focus on your goals, right? But then we started realizing like all work, no play is not, that's not a good way to live your life. So we needed a little infusion of happiness and awesomeness. And so now we have a good balance of we're going to have family time. And I know Saul has family movie night with his kids. And what I liked most about our connection, Saul, was we were talking about watching meaningful, you know, content that requires some conversation. So we hit pause on This Is Us. Like that's one of the greatest shows <laughs> Uh, in history because it touches on so many different things. Would you agree? I, I agree so, so much to what you're saying. I mean, first of all, look, my favorite show of all time, I'm going to date myself now, but it's, I'm, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Okay. Huge. Mm. That was my show in the nineties. And when I say my favorite, unfortunately for my family and friends that know me, I don't really go a day without quoting that show. <laughs> and by the way, I, I'm not even thinking about it. It just comes out in my speech. It's like, it's just part of how I speak now. Um, also, you know, if I ever need a break and I just want to laugh, I'll find some Curb Your Enthusiasm clips. And uh, Larry David just cracks me up. But the truth is, like you're saying, you know, I, um, I work in Hollywood and I'm telling you guys, there is not a week that goes by 
that on one of these Zoom calls at work, somebody isn't saying the phrase, oh, you got to check out this new show. Right. <laughs> like I hear that phrase constantly. And by the way, right now in the history of television, we've never had better shows. There's so many great shows. You know, when I was growing up, you had like a couple of networks and there was a couple shows on, you know, like there was a Thursday night slot. What You could watch maybe right. three, four shows a week. That's it. Now, with Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, et cetera, Disney, there's Apple. There's so, so much overwhelming. content. Right. right. And just because there's great shows out there, and this is where I'm going to, I hope I don't offend anybody, just because my people that, that I work with, just because there's great shows out there, it doesn't mean I really need to watch them all. You know, people are like, oh, you got to see the Queen's Gambit, the show, the chess show. It's amazing. And even if it is a great show, I'm not saying it is or it's not. How do I know if I really should be watching it? How much time are we putting into it? You know, I have a, I have a twin sister. And um, I remember in the 90s, she was like, she was working really hard. And my mom and me and my girlfriend were trying to, they became my wife, we're trying to get her to go out and meet people. And she was just like a homebody. And what did she watch religiously? Friends. Like, that was her favorite show. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, which is a great show, like, just because you're watching Friends doesn't mean you're making friends. You have to be careful that the illusion that we feel from watching television, we have to realize it's still an illusion. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I, I got to tell you this real quick. We watched Power. I don't know if you ever watched that. That's kind of one of those shows we wouldn't normally watch. But Sweet. Eddie was like, you know, it's about drugs, money, power. I swear I was going to bed every night. It's all thinking that I was a big drug lord. <laughs> and I like had to stop because I was like, this is consuming me. I have this delusional life that I'm going to start selling drugs and stuff. And so I, I couldn't do it anymore. By the way, Janelle, you know, you know why James Bond is the most such a popular character for men? Because every man wants to do the three things that James Bond can do in no particular order. I'm going to break it down, okay? <laughs> You're driving the greatest sports car on the planet at the time. And it's not just the sports car that you can buy anywhere. It's souped up with, it can go in the water. It could fly, like whatever. Like the greatest car. Men love cars. That's number one. Whatever you think the greatest car is, this is that times 10. That's number one. Let's put that to the side. Okay. Number two, license to kill. That means you can basically get out of your way anyone you want. You can take a gun and shoot anybody in your way. You have a license to kill. We all would love to do that, right? That's number two. And number three, Eddie, what's number three? Let's see if you can say it in front of your wife. The most beautiful woman in the world. It's the hottest chick. <laughs> yeah. You get Halle Berry. You <laughs> pick the Bond girl. Right. Yeah. You get to sleep with the hottest woman on the planet. And guess what? No commitment. No commitment. <laughs> <laughs> right. And by the way, you've never seen a movie, a Bond girl wake up the next morning being like, why don't you call me? No, the, yeah. what makes them the perfect girls. They don't even want a commitment. Right, right. There's no strings and, attached, right? No, and then you know, in, in in every new Bond movie, there's a new girl. There's no, there's no, there's no carryover. There's a relationship here, right? <laughs> there's no. Why don't you help change the diapers? And nobody even, no one even refers to that old girl. Remember her? No, right, that didn't no. happen. Never gone. happened, right? Never happened. So we need to know. 
at our primal level, we are all watching stuff and we're trying to watch people live lives that we want. Look, Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. There's a great scene in that movie where the camera goes into the Copacabana and it's this big camera move. It's this famous camera move where, where Ray Liotta is taking her, his girlfriend into this club, but not through the front. He's taking her through the back, like this VIP entrance. It's like an eight minute camera move through. They bring it. They don't just give him a table in the front. There is no table in the front. They're all booked. They bring him yeah. a table and put the little lamp on and he's yeah. in the front row. And right when he sits down, the guy's singing, looks down at him and be, gives him like a wave. Like imagine being brought into, I don't know, Michael Buble's concert and Buble just waves to right to you. But when you watch that movie, like we all get seduced by that life. So knowing that about us, that when we watch entertainment, it is escapism and it's an illusion. And we're really, we want to live vicariously through these actors and through these characters. We need to also make sure we're not just watching shows that are just fun, we need to watch shows that are going to teach us something. And the first show that I really saw, and people are going to laugh, but I'm telling you, the greatest show I ever showed my kids, and we watched it as a family, and we're about, I don't know, five seasons in right now. Even my teenagers love watching it as a family. Here we go. Get ready to laugh, people. <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie was trying not to laugh. Okay, he was. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to laugh. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to laugh at that one. Okay, listen. listen. I, I was not expecting. I was that. like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Okay, I that's, can't believe you just said that. I can't believe you just said that because that was my number two show. Yeah, that's a great show for families. Prince of Bel Air. Let's talk about those two shows for a second. Little House on the Prairie. There's such good morals, good values, so much to learn. It's incredible. And I tell your listeners, go out there, watch the first three episodes with your family, and you're going to see so much beautiful. But I can't believe you just read Fresh Prince. I can tell you growing up in the 90s, watching Will Smith and Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and especially the episode where he has to confront his father. Uh, yeah. who hasn't been there in his life. And I just get goosebumps thinking about it. I think his father was played by, I think it was Ben Vereen. It was like a famous actor at the time. And Will's performance and his anger, I get emotional now just even thinking about it because I actually was raised, um, my parents were divorced when I was young. And uh, at, at one point I was about 11 years old and I didn't see my father or speak to him for 18 years. Oh, After wow. that, I was estranged from my father, my biological father. My mom remarried this incredible guy, but my biological father and nothing happened. It's the weirdest thing. Like I, I actually never spoke about this publicly, by the way, um, but nothing, nothing happened. It's just one day we like, we never spoke again. And after 18 years, we started to put that relationship back together. But whenever I saw any media about a father and son, like Lion King, like broke me up, you know, any movie about, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, that scene where Robin Williams is like, my kids are my oxygen. Don't take them away from me. Like it was heart wrenching for me to watch this stuff, but I bring all this up to you because I do want to go back to what you said. Um, you know, this is us, you know, the, the, the show that really made it start to happen for me was parenthood. If you saw that show, that was the first time I saw like, okay, here's a family show that has humor, but it's dealing with real stuff. Even modern mm -hmm. family, was yeah. fun. I mean, it was a comedy, but you walked away from every episode with a little bit of wisdom, a little meaning. But This Is Us really is the show that my wife and I, we will sit on our couch, clutched around each other. My yeah. wife is in tears. I'm holding back tears. 
Okay. Okay. Sometimes. Come on, Saul. Come on, Saul. Just give it a real. Give, hey. <laughs> there have been tears. There have been tears. <laughs> but we're clutched on to each other and we have the pause button. And like you were saying, Joe, we have to pause and talk about everything that happens. But I've never seen more beautifully developed, real characters. Yeah. Like one episode, you'll love Randall because he's like this. And then another time, you'll see his vulnerability and his... Yeah. And his perfectionism and he's trying to work on himself and every character it's just like us it's really really what a great title this is us because all of us have weaknesses we need to work on and strengths that are there to help us work on those weaknesses and i really do think that as we're picking television to watch or movies especially with our kids like you said yeah saturday night is movie night in our home where we're with our kids and we watch uh, a movie and i have like lists of movies for my kids for different ages, right? Like, like from like, you know, four to eight years old was an age. And then there's like eight to 12 was an age. And I have different, and I'll have to share mm-hmm. you guys my list to make sure you That's have awesome. a list. I will share each other. But I do think that we should be able to use entertainment and media to be able to not just be entertained, but to entertain ourselves and to learn a little bit more about our lives. Absolutely. Well, you know what's great, Saul, and and I and, I, and I'm glad that we talking we're talking about this because I hope the audience is is capturing that we're sharing how we're active in the entertainment and not just falling asleep. And I think that a lot of times when people are consuming, it's almost like they're lowering themselves to sleep mentally, not not physically asleep, but just mentally asleep and not capturing. They're just being entertained, and I think that. For us, we're very active in the experience, and so we are. We're pausing because we're participating and we're connecting. And a lot of times, people would say, "How do you? How are you spending time with your kids if you're watching TV?" Mm-hmm. Well, if you're watching TV like us and you're pausing and you're talking about it and you're discussing it, like you're you're sharing concepts that they may not be getting because we just we know that we all have different perceptions, right? We watch something, she's getting something that different. I was well, one is this is us. We're pretty much on the same level. We're both in tears so well the reason why eddie's in tears you touched a little bit on your relationship with your father but uh the daddy issue for eddie has been a really big thing his entire life until honestly last year we unpacked some things but so over the years while we've been watching this is us i mean i've looked over at him and he's just got like tears coming down because he's i just do the one tear i do the one is randall and so you know everything from your mom knows something that you don't know like all that stuff is kind of like recently we've unpacked and so that show is very special to us but you know I think the point is is that we're both saying that you can pick you can pick programs that spark um, some sort of dialogue that is helpful in teaching your kids right like uh, recently we watched um, this is or sorry in the heights Lynn Lynn Manuel Miranda like it's such a great story for you to watch with your kids, especially if you are people of color, like we have a colorful family and for them to see themselves and the representation, we had long conversations about that. It's beautiful, you know, and then I don't know if you ever got a chance to watch um, the morning show with Jennifer Aniston. No, I didn't. Okay, so that show... It's all... You don't have to. And, and here, yeah, don't watch it. Listen to us, guys. We're not going to tell you. 
<laughs> but people do that to us all the time and they're like, oh my God, you got to watch this. I'm yeah. like, nope, I don't got to watch yeah. that. I will literally <laughs> say, nope, can't watch it. I can't be committed to anything else. I don't have time for it. It's not the season yeah. for me to do that. But, you know, I know that you have three daughters and we have three daughters and our daughters are a little older than yours. But at the time last year when we watched it, they were... 18, 16, and 14. And it's about, you know, the Me Too movement and sexual harassment in the workplace. And there were some things that were like, you know, a bit like, oh, is this tasteful for a child? Well, it's tasteful because I'm a mother of three daughters and they are going to be working in professional environments and they need to know how to advocate for themselves, how to protect themselves, how to stand up for themselves, what's the right thing to do and how to not put themselves in situations that could potentially cost them something huge, you know? And, um, and that was just like one of our really yeah. proud parent moments yeah. that we, we were like, you know what, pause this, come in. And you were empowering them. Right. 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 To be able yeah. to see their value and to be able to feel like they can navigate out there without you, because isn't that our job as parents? You know, our job as parents is we have our kids look, we're always going to be their parent, you know, while we're alive. And when they leave our homes, we're still going to be their parent. But while they live at home, we're in a window of time. You know, if you if if you guys you know are listening, you have kids that aren't teenagers yet. You know what your eight year old probably wants to do every weekend? Be with you. You know what your twelve year old probably wants to do? Be with you. You know what your fifteen year old probably wants to do? Not be with you. Right. <laughs> they want to be with their friends, right? So, and that's and that's what you want. You want them to because through socialization, they're finding themselves. You want them to do that. But our job as parents is to use that window of time to teach our kids, uh, educate them, love them so that they can leave the safety of our home and be able to navigate a world. Like we just put my daughter on a plane. She's going to be 17 and she's going on a plane to Israel for uh, an incredible summer program. She's so excited with a lot of her friends and it was her first time flying alone. And on the way to the airport, we were talking me, my wife and her, and she's like, how will I know when to get on the plane? We're like, well, they're going to call your group. She's like, well, how will I know what group I'm at? Well, it says it on the baggage claim, you know, like little things that, yeah, yeah. that like all these times. And she's flown with us many times back to the East Coast because that's where our family's from. But every time I flown with her, I just tell her when to get on and off. I never mm. stop to say, mm. hey, look right here. It says group four. That's us. And that's an opportunity I could have had to teach her. Yeah. Now yeah. we're just talking about when to get on a plane, what you're talking about, you know, which is so beautiful and powerful is it's, it's the stuff that really matters. You know, they're going to be in the workplace. How do we, how do we show that? You know, I love the movie hidden figures. I don't know if you guys have seen that mm -hmm. yeah. like incredible movie. And while there's definitely, you know, things going on in that film about race, it's also about being a woman. And I love that movie. And I'm always looking for those kinds of stories to show my girls where they can see empowered women who are educated, yeah. trying to change the world. And how do they navigate that? And how do they stand up for themselves? That's such a powerful thing. You know, if such you look at right, movies in the 80s and 90s, you didn't really see that. You didn't really see women's yeah. roles that well. That's what's so beautiful right now about the culture we're living in, that people really are getting, you know, awakened to uh, yeah. the empowerment of different cultures, diversity. And that's something we got to show our kids. And if you're just putting on movies and television for your kids in another room and go, oh, here, here's my iPad or here's your iPad, just go watch whatever you want. 
then you're missing an opportunity. I urge you who are listening, mm-hmm. you know, like Janelle and Eddie do, and like me and my wife do, watch stuff with your kids. You know, find those moments where you're going to spend time with your kids by engaging with them and watching this media and eventually talking about it with them. Like, you know, watching The Office, it's a great show. And while there's so much humor in it, I can't tell you how many times my and my oldest daughter have had learning opportunities based on that show, like to talk about this or that. There's little funny moments, but there's something to talk about. Anyway, yeah, Yeah. it's it's really great. By the way, you know, I work in Hollywood. I've worked at Disney most of my career. And I can tell you, how many times that people come out, you know, I was a director on a show called Doc McStuffins. You guys know that show, mm-hmm. right? So that was a, a great show created by Chris Nee. And it was a show about uh, a girl who wants to be a doctor for her toys. And what was so unique in that show is first of all, mom, okay, this is a black family. Mom is a doctor who, and dad is a stay-at-home dad. You mm-hmm. never see that. You don't see That's that. Right in kids television, right? Number one. But how many times have people tell me over the years, thousands of people have told me and the show creator and the other directors on the show, how their kid now can go to the doctor and not have fear, Mm. not be scared to go to the doctors because of Doc McStuffins. And I can tell you personally, as a filmmaker, the things that I work on, I try to put those values into the projects that I accept and that I take and that I work on because I want them to be able to impact uh, children out there to affect their lives. So yeah, wow. take it seriously. Love it. I think we have to be friends off camera, off the podcast, yeah. all because there's so much. Yeah, yeah. We are. <laughs> and we didn't get a chance to tell you, but we have two actresses in our household, and our oldest daughter just got accepted middle to. Uh, no, our middle daughter just got accepted to. Just um, love when dad can correct mom. Yeah. Yeah. That was so good. Yeah, without without the. Uh, it's one so good. Yeah. <laughs> so our middle daughter will be attending college, a theater college in Scotland for the next three years. Oh, yeah. isn't that incredible? Yeah. And yeah. she's excited. And so the, the podcast actually that comes out tomorrow is about her getting into her dream college in uh, for theater in Chicago. And then it kept going the auditions for Scotland. And then, so she's going to be sharing her story tomorrow, but she's not afraid. She's like, I'm equipped. I'm ready. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So she's going to the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, which is the most prestigious theater school in the and world. I, I want your listeners to say this. I'm going to say this. You guys can't say it, but I can say it. You don't get a young woman like that to have the confidence to be able to go to another country alone to make her way in the world without very special parents. And yeah, I mean, what you guys have done, that is a testament that that's a perfect example of what beautiful parenting looks like. That's the goal is that our kids know that we're there for them, but that they have the security and confidence to be there for themselves, to be able to navigate and go out into the world. I can't wait to hear that episode. Oh, it's going to be great. So excited. Thank you. you. So wrap us up, Saul. Oh, I I got two of them that do it. So I'm happy to do that. Happy for this connection. But so for the people that are listening, our audience, your audience, what are, you know, a few things that now you've got so many podcast episodes under your belt? I think you're at like 21, 22. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You've got life lessons. You've interviewed some amazing people. I guess it's two part. 
how do you create an awesome life? Like just a couple of quick, like if someone's like, I think I have an okay life. Well, how do you go from okay to awesome? And then lastly, what are some things that you are pushing through to work on right now to get to the even, you know, an even greater awesome life? Okay. Oh, great questions. Thanks, Janelle. Um, okay. First of all, what one of the t- greatest tools to give us an awesome life and to get that feeling of awesome is, and it's going to sound like a cliche, but I can tell you from my own personal experience, and I think those of you that are being real with yourselves and looking deep within you, you will see that it really is true, is to get that feeling that life is awesome is, is the feeling of gratitude. It really is the most incredible choice that we can make in our lives. It's to choose to be grateful for what we have. And, um, you know, every day there's, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be tests. Every day is a test. Every moment is a test. Just when you think you have it down and like, okay, that maybe the money's coming in or maybe work is good or the relationship's good. The kids are behaving, whatever. You know, it's like my wife and I, you know, raising our kids. Some days we have those days or those difficult hours and it was like, oh my gosh, I need a break. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and if you're raising kids, even good kids, you feel that sometimes. But you know, at the end of the day, when your kids are in bed and they're asleep, and especially when they were younger and they were like crazy or whatever, and then you like, you peek through the doorway and they are sleeping there in the dark. My wife and I would look at each other and go, you know what? We, we can do this again tomorrow. <laughs> like we can do this again tomorrow. Like today there was this moments where I didn't think we could handle it, but right now I'm like, right. you know, we can do this tomorrow. So, so what gives us that feeling in our lives to get pleasure from the work that we're doing is to take time out to stop and be grateful, stop and breathe. You know, we, um, we have in our home, we, uh, we observe the Sabbath We're Jewish. We observe the Sabbath. And every Friday at sundown to Saturday sundown, there's no devices. There's no more iPads. There's no more iPhones. There's no computers. We don't watch anything. And we have a Friday night dinner. We'd like dress up in our nicest clothes. My wife makes this big dinner for the Sabbath. And we sing and we tell stories and we play charades and we've made tents. And like, it's the best part of our week because it's like, it's all in. And the whole point of it is just to stop from the week, reflect on what you've created before you go back and create. If you're an artist, and we all are artists, picture an artist with a blank canvas, getting inspired and passionate, and you're throwing all the, the, the paint and you're creating and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, next painting. Whoa, 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 hold on. Before you get to the next painting, stop for a moment. Look what you just created. Oh, what was successful? What, what wasn't successful? You know what I want to do next time? I want to try this. Now go make another painting. We need those moments in our lives, those windows in our lives to stop and reflect in order to learn and grow. And that's what I mean by that gratitude. Those little moments, that's the greatest tool I can advise everyone listening. Grab onto those moments, little windows of time. Have gratitude for all the things that are working in your life, all the success that you have, all the challenges you were able to work through before. And the fact that you've been able to work through those is telling you, you know what, you can probably work through the challenges tomorrow. Have gratitude for your own. Look in the mirror and look how look how much you can do. And then just have those set times to appreciate what you've created 
and to get your clarity on what you're about to create, whether it's relationships or work. And then for me personally, what you were asking, like, what are the things that I want to work on for me? Well, for me, the greatest, um, <laughs> it's funny you highlighted that episode, Eddie, is the one called Time Never Wasted. Because the older I get, the greatest battle I personally have is how will I accomplish everything I want to accomplish in the time that I have? That's the big looming, it's like your, you know, we croak app. That's the mm-hmm. challenge that I have. You know, some days I, I remember the time, I remember when I was 24 and I had no idea about how fast life goes. I, I didn't live thinking about that I'd be dead someday. I was like, I'll do it tomorrow, whatever. And sometimes I'm envious of myself at that, that naiveness, at that part of my life. But right now, as I'm getting older, that's the biggest challenge I have is just trying not to waste time. And, um, you know, especially when I'm with my kids, you know, when, when I pick up my daughter or my son from school and I'm in the carpool with them, like carpool is like, that's a window of time. I just pick them up from school and then I'm driving home. So I have like little rules to help me you know, get the most out of that. First of all, when my kids get in the car. I'm never on the phone. Never on the phone, not on a work call, like kids quiet down, daddy's on the phone. When they've had a full day of school and they get in the car, the first thing they need to hear is like love from me, you know, a hug, a kiss. How was your day? Let them, because when I get home, I'm going to have other things I got to do. But while we're in the car, that 12 minute drive, that's the perfect time, that window of time for me to engage with them. So I try to utilize all these little windows of family time. There's no flipping way. Anyone will ever have an iPhone at a table in the home that I live in. It's not possible. My Mm -hmm. wife won't and I won't. When we're at restaurants, at least one out of every two times, and this is absolutely true, you can ask my kids and my wife, daddy leaves, are you ready? Daddy leaves his phone at home. Mm -hmm. Not in the car, not on silent at the table. I mean, literally at home. I I, I tell my kids, you want to know what it was like in the 90s? What was it like in the 80s when I was growing up in the 80s? There was no such thing as Wi-Fi, no such thing as YouTube, social media. It's so empowering to leave it at home. And I urge all the families listening, once once, a month, when you go out to eat, whatever it is, like keep your phone at home. Don't even bring it. Watch what happens to your family. You will elevate all of you. An incredible opportunity. So that's the thing I'm working most on. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, Saul, it's been incredible to have you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Uh, tell everybody where they can go find you. I mean, they definitely need to check out their your podcast for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, in, I'm on Instagram and uh, you can check me out there. Uh, and I'm posting quotes from people that inspire me or quotes that I have and, and little clips and starting to show my family to the world a little bit, which has been really fun. Um, I just, we just did a hike in Zion National Park last week. So I'm going to be posting mm. some stuff today on that. I'm excited. Um, please, I urge you. I urge you check out the podcast. Um, I put everything I have into this podcast. Um, I work really hard on them and the guests I've had are extraordinary. And I have to highlight one in particular. Um, I, you know, I was so inspired and moved and still to this day by this one guest that I had George Foreman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many people know him as he did the barbecue grill, the Foreman grill. Some people who are older know him because he was the heavyweight champion in the world. Yeah. And let me tell you guys, the opening, I go through the intro with him and I'm like, oh, George Foreman, he's Olympian gold medal, two-time heavyweight champion. By the way, the guy at one point was making $8 million a month 
Okay. He made 138 million from the grill the first year, like incredible Jeez. money and success. And I go through all his stuff and I talk about how he's a grandfather and a great grandfather. And after that whole little speech in the beginning, when I intro him, the first thing out of his mouth, listen to what he says. He says, Saul, out of everything you said, you know what I'm most proud of? Being a grandfather. And I'm like, this guy gets it. Yeah. This guy gets it. And then check this out. After I rattle all this off, you know what any other guest would have been like? You were like, yeah, I've really worked hard. I've done a lot in my career. He goes, you know what? I feel like tomorrow's the beginning. He goes, I feel like I haven't done anything yet. The best is yet to come. That was the message that he shared. He's in his mid seventies. He's done so much and he feels like he hasn't done it yet. He's just getting going. I want to wake up like that guy. I want to wake up knowing that tomorrow I can recreate myself and live an awesome life tomorrow. So check out the podcast, Life of Awesome. Check out his episode. It's incredible. And also, I'll just I'll end with one other quick thing is, you know, I went through this whole struggle, how I got into Disney. And um, it was a lot of ups and downs and, and insane, crazy story with a lot of hard work. And at one point, I'd actually given up on my dream. And I saw the movie Rudy, the football player movie mm-hmm. uh, from the 90s. And that movie inspired me to never give up. And that showed me the power of storytelling, that it can inspire other people to reach for their dreams. And the very first guest I ever interviewed on my podcast was the real Rudy Rudiger. So check wow. out that, uh, that episode. Really, really cool. So uh, yeah, so check out Life right. of Awesome. And I really, uh, I thank the both of you so much for the wisdom you're giving the world. Uh, the two of you to be able to do a podcast together is so vulnerably, uh, is beautiful. And uh, I'm excited to keep tuning into your episodes. And I hope to one day get a hug in person. Oh, well, we're, we're both in LA, so we'll have to arrange something. Let's do that. I would really love that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Saul. If you loved this, please take a few minutes to rate and review the podcast, but also again, go listen to life of awesome by Saul Blinkoff. Thank you so much, Saul. We'll see you guys later. Take it easy. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the push podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.